Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I have one of the leading owners of office buildings in New York City, uh, a company who's been around close to 75 years, a third-generation company. I have Eric Garau, who's a principal at GFP Real Estate. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Michael. So how many buildings do you have in New York City today? It's about 55. Representing how many square feet? Uh, it's about 11 million feet. Now you and how are they broken down? You have a large number in the nonprofit world, right? We we are the largest privately held landlord of nonprofit tenants. So so privately held meaning you wouldn't include schools, you wouldn't include the sort of the city agencies. Um, but in terms of the amount of actual nonprofit tenants, we have more nonprofit tenants by square footage than anyone else in New York City. I'm proud of that. You should be because besides nonprofit, you're a very charitable organization. I know that also. It's Thank registered you. all the time. Starts starts at the top. No, no, no question about that. So what's really happening in the office market? You know, you hear certain things in the press, you, you read them each, each and every day, there's a different comment. What's really happening? So I think a couple of things. I think, I think one of the things I want to start with is sort of the, what are the things that people are reading, which is basically this statistical analysis, most of which is basically put together by the large brokerage companies. Now, the large brokerage companies generally, they only study sort of leasing transactions above 10,000 feet. However, a large majority of the tenants in New York City, probably some people think 75%, are under the 10,000 feet. So you're basically getting this data and statistics based on only a smaller part of the market, maybe by square footage. Per tenant, it might be large, but in terms of total tenants, there's more total tenants under 10,000 feet, which means the statistics aren't measuring any of their data. So I think some of the data has to be flawed. So maybe Mark Twain was right about statistics. So I think if they're not measuring what most of the people are doing, how do we know that we're getting a positive outcome? So I think the other thing we're, do, we're seeing is people are studying the statistics around how many swipes of, of uh, access cards are, are co people coming into the building. So one of the questions is, if I come in on Monday and Wednesday and you come in on Tuesday and Thursday, does that mean one person came in that week or does that mean two people came in that week? Those things aren't being studied as closely. The other part of it is that, is that people think that the denominator when they say, say, 55% of people are coming in is 100%, and I don't think that's true. I think most companies would tell you that, that the on a typical day throughout the year, non-holidays, that there's more like an 85% of the people are actually in the office. So when they say 55%, it's really not 55% over 100. It's 55% over 85. So I don't think the statistics are really telling the story. So why, why don't the statistics provide the accurate information? I, I just think that I understand why the large brokerage firms, they only want to study the, the larger transactions because those are the ones they do most of and those are the ones they're really chasing. That makes sense to me. What it doesn't happen is the landlords don't get together and put together their own statistics because no one organizes us to do so and there's really no reason for us to do so. But I think if you look at some of the other statistics around the MTA, around the buses, around the trains, around people paying the tolls at the tunnels and bridges, I think a lot of those numbers are, are back up close to where they were pre-COVID, which means people are again enjoying the city and coming in you know, to do all the things that, that make New York great. What do you believe the number is of the people coming into your buildings? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. What percentage? I think the percentage, I think the percentage we track similar to what they, what they report through Castle in like the 55% um, number. But I can tell you like some of the things that, that we look at is, is how many actual people differentiating where if you and I came in on different days, that would count as two. So those numbers are actually a little higher. Um, what everyone's saying about, about Monday and Friday is right. We agree that, that Monday's light, Friday's lighter, and the middle of the week is, is definitely sort of more. So Wednesday is the big, the big day, including the shows. Yeah, the no, that's, that's the more populated day, right? Wednesday suddenly became important, right? It had that hump day thing for so long. It's finally something else. What do you see with regard to rents today for your buildings? Yes, yeah, so, so the rents have, have come down somewhat, but I'm realizing they're, they're coming off their highs, right? So if you go back to pre-COVID, those are the highest rents that New York has ever gotten. So yeah, look, think, things swing and things shift and things bounce. So we're coming off those highs. So percentage-wise, it looks like a lot. But if you, if you go back to 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, the, the, we were coming a couple of years out of sort of the recession in 08, 09. 10 years ago, 2013, the rents had just started to rise then from those sort of recession rents. So if you compare it to 10 years ago, they're very similar to what they were 10 years ago. So, you know, we survived 10 years ago. We think we'll, we'll survive again. I think the key piece that we always talk about is, is where does the office or any collaborative place work in the chain of, of, of productivity? So if you think about all the companies that want to be productive, how do they find their, their peak productivity? And, and for years, and there's a lot of evidence to this, collaborative environments have been the thing that done it. So if you think about the things you use, the things you see, the things you touch, almost every single one of those things was created in a collaborative environment, whether it be an office or a lab or thought of in, in an academic institution. We're not the typewriter. We weren't replaced by something better. What we've seen basically is all of these things were made in these environments, which included people being together. So and, until that becomes not the best way to be productive, we, we think that we'll sort of get back to where we were. At the same time, look, the labor markets are super strong. And what COVID created was almost like a labor event. You know, we've been watching the news with, with, the, with the auto workers, and it's almost the same kind of thing where, where people were allowed to, to work from home. Working from home wasn't new. It was old. It's just your employer allowing you to do it was new. You know, now we're having a hard time getting convincing people to come back. But if they can convince us they're just as productive doing what they're doing, I think companies will accept it. But if they can't convince us that they're just as productive and being together is going to be more productive, I think some companies will lean that way. Let's talk about the conversion of office buildings to uh, residential, which I know you're quite active in. Right. So what I think is, I think you have to, you have, to have the incentives to, to be on the seller side, not the buyer side. I think the sellers are the people who've owned the buildings over the last few years. We've lost every round of a 15-round fight. We're lying on the mat, right, and our nose is bleeding and our jaw hurts. 
we've had a really hard time, right? You know, you talk about those nonprofits we had. Look, we, we had to help all those nonprofits, and, and we had to watch those people and make sure that the, all the good they do, they can still do. So everyone had to take cuts, right? We had laws that, that gave people the opportunity not to pay the rent. I understood who they were trying to protect, but unfortunately they protected more, more people than, need, than needed it. So asking us now to sort of take these major commitments financially to put into their buildings to convert, it's not something that, that, that we're in a position to do. If you would have asked us to do this in 2019, you would have had a lot of takers. But asking us to do it in 2023, you're not going to have as many takers. So you need an incentive on the seller side. So if the sellers are incentivized, what will happen is then the prices could go down, right? Because if, if your net taxes are going to – I'm sorry. If, if with taxes, if you're going to net out more than you would have netted out before, in theory, you can sell the property for less. If you sell the property for less, the new developer can actually create more affordable housing because they're paying less for the property. So I think incentivizing the sellers, I think, makes the most sense. And especially if you need affordable, which is definitely what you know we need in this city, I think those things work together. So let's specifically talk about the projects you're planning for downtown. Right. So everyone you know, saw the flat iron in the news. We've been in the news a lot. It's been an interesting story. Um, you know, I think it would be a fantastic place to live. I, I, I'm really excited about it. And that's going to be all condos. It's going to be all condos is the plan now. Obviously, we partnered with, 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 with the Brodskys. We're very happy with that. Um, those guys are sort of more experts than we are. Um, but we thought about it in terms of this sort of like macro New York living thing, right? If you said to anyone, and I mean anyone, hey, do you want to come check out my apartment in the Flatiron building? Is anyone going to say no? And we think that'll be the most compelling place to live. We think it's an amazing area. There, there are certain things that a lot of people don't know about it because if you think about it, Almost no one has been in that building for the last 25 years right. other than McMillan, McMillan. Right? right? Other than other than those guys. And it was amazing when they left the amount of books and the, and the fantastic stuff that they've had in that building. It, it, I wish those walls could talk because the stories they would tell about the people that were in there are fascinating. But so many people sit outside on the north side and take pictures of it. Right? It's the second most photographed building in the world, but no one's ever been in it. So, so the opportunity to be in it is going to be fantastic. But what people don't know is, is the views in that building are fantastic. All the buildings that run to the west are small. Most of the buildings that run to the south are small. There's one building on the east side. There's an apartment building across the street. Otherwise, and the, and the view north, you know, up through the park, up Fifth and Broadway is spectacular. So I think it's one of those things where it's very well located, unlike some other buildings. The views are spectacular. And look, it's, it's one of the most unique and, and profoundly popular buildings in the world. With regard to the mayor's plan for the city of Yes, what's your initial ideas? I like it. I, I think he's got the right idea. Look, we all have to work together, but we can't work if we're stalled in a bureaucratic process. So I think he understands that. So I like the idea with the, of, hey, we want to say yes. We want to make it easier for people to do things. You know, I think one of the struggles we've had is, is, is the lack of building hurts a place where populations are growing. So as long as New York is as popular as it is and the population continues to grow, especially among young people, we need to build more places for them to live and work. Right now, the working thing is not something we're gonna build more of, we have plenty of that, but we need to build more places for them to, to live. And the words yes are what we need to hear more than the word no. What about financing of office building? Struggle, definitely a struggle. So, it, it, you know, this is gonna be a hard time for us. We had a good run. Um, everyone's gonna have to like, you know, sort of, buckle their seatbelts and realize that this is going to be difficult for us to do. At the, at the same time, if you buy into new office product when, the, when rates are high, the only way the rates are going to go is down, right? Which is something you don't have, you don't have to pay for. So the reality is like, if you think about what the right time to buy into a, a deal is, what my grandfather would have said is environments like today, because there's a more likely a chance in the next five years that office rates, will, I'm sorry, that, that interest rates will be lower than higher. And, and that's not a benefit you have to pay for. 
So he would like that idea. I think you're going to see partnerships among people who are going to get together in these buildings. There'll be fresh capital from other, you know, not necessarily lenders, but other investors who realize that, hey, look, it's going to be a survival of the fittest. And what happens in a survival of the fittest is that that calls supply. Like we've had other supply constricting events in New York City, 9-11, obviously one of them. The second one was they changed the, the, the zoning in Chelsea and Midtown South where they allowed residential. And there were a lot of B buildings that were converted then. And the real estate commercial market went up after that because supply went down. So as you go through this sort of survival of the fittest, there's going to be some people who aren't going to make it, which is going to make the supply of commercial office shrink a little bit. So I think uh, with regard to that, the late Sam Zell, the grave dancer, would be very happy and probably be very active at this time to buy properties. And I really think that you've been very influential, you and your company in the third generation, your father and your cousin, with regard to helping New York City. And I'd like to thank Eric Gorel for being on the show today. Thank See you, you next week.